Welcome to Geeks Worldwide presents President Key. I'm, of course, your host, Michael Schluger, and this is episode 293. Uh, we have a fantastic show for you. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, let me introduce the crew. First off, we have Sandy Chen. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. Hello. Good to have you. And, of course, Connor Howard. Hey, how we doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Great. So uh, there is stuff to talk about, but I, I want to sort of give this i don't know if i should tell people or not but i feel like i owe them the disclaimer we don't have any what the fuck stories for this week it's it's crazy i couldn't find a single what the fuck story i i looked i looked but uh for this one week there's just i don't know the world is crazy but not the gaming world world crazy gaming world more or less okay things are mellowing Um, out a little bit which is nice (laughs) yeah uh so our first story up, uh, obviously, the uh, Paris Gaming Week is on. Uh, a ton of trailers uh, dropped from PlayStation. Um, and some of them are causing a little bit of controversy. Um, specifically, I know the, uh, the uh, Detroit Become Human trailer and also the Last of Us 2 trailer, uh, both sort of shocking for different reasons. Um, Let's do one at a time. So let's start with Last of Us 2. Uh, what did you guys think of the trailer? Did it make you want to play the game? Um, you know, what, if anything about it, surprised you, shocked you, or, or interested you, as the case may be? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what, um, how it connects to the game. Um, I mean, because I just needed more explanation as to why there's women in the trailer that are getting victimized or um one is hung and the others elbows broken the answer is we don't know right it's it's and we don't know who these people are we don't know we know that there's obviously some sort of uh religious undertones right Mm -hmm. because i think uh the woman mentions uh the apostles where the other apostles uh and then she gets spat on um And we know that the bad guys or the zombies or whatever you want to call them were referred to as demons. Um, again, we're not sure why or what the case was. I'm trying to remember what they were called in the first game. They definitely Just were not infected clickers, infected. runners, clickers, yeah, clickers. Yeah, yeah. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't called. They weren't called demons. So no. there's definitely some sort of religious um, overtones or undertones, some kind of culty stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, but uh, beyond that, we don't really know, right? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, for me, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to play it no matter what. So when it comes out, I'll play it no matter what. But like, just being given this tidbit as a fan of the first one, to me, it just kind of shows me, like, com- compared to what we had in the first Last of Us, this kind of shows me that Naughty Dog isn't really shying away from looking at what becomes to what becomes of people mm-hmm. when society breaks down and disappears, and. I think the culty overtones are actually kind of in line with what was in the first one. Also, there was a villain in this, the first game spoilers. I'm sorry, but if you haven't played it by now, I don't know. Uh, Shame on there, you. I won't. Okay. There was a villain who had sort of a, uh, faith based approach to what he was doing, sort of a spiritual approach to what he was doing. So it's not really out of the ordinary for naughty dog to explore that direction of people turning to, superstition one could say or spirituality in the apocalypse as far as the women thing goes like you gotta understand i mean they're trying to tell a story in which people 
men and women, people in general are subjected to extreme hardships to, you know, to survive. They victimize each other to survive. They put themselves at risk to survive. And yeah, it was pretty over the top. I, I definitely agree with that. It was, it was shocking. Like I, I know there's some real hardcore shit that goes down in the first last of us, but like even here with the trailer for the second one, that's like kind of taking it up a notch. And so I think, I understand the criticism of people saying, oh, you're, you're just trying to shock us into buying a game. But I, I think at the same time, it's like they're trying to show you what kind of world you're going to be in when you play this game. For, and I, I think I think that came I think that came through, you know, as a message for me. The thing that like jumped out of me, you know, violence aside, and I know it sounds weird, but it's just how goddamn pretty this game looks. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I understand we're seeing scenes of extreme, you know, graphic violence here, but the lighting, the way the fire is, the way the rain is falling, like this thing is really coming close to, uh, you know, uh, that uncanny valley, that uncanny yeah. valley line, especially in in that early shot. Which, if you're watching along with us, when when the woman is thrown to the ground and she's tied up. I mean, the way the light plays across her face and she's like clearly in pain because Mm -hmm. her hands are tied behind her back. And there's just so much visually going on that it looks like a movie, you know, if. And, you know, other other games have come close to that, like the Order 1886, right? That was the name of the the Order something, something, something. Yeah, Yeah, so that one was, you know, also considered to be extremely cinematic, but. Man, Naughty Dog is on point here. Like, yeah, between between The Last of Us and Uncharted, they've been just really setting benchmarks for I think console graphics for the last few years, just really breaking milestones. I think, and Chapter Two, The Last of Us looks insane visually. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's just just the way that the surfaces look wet from the rain, the way that the like the skin glistens and the shirt sticks to the woman's chest and yeah. there's just there's a lot happening here graphically and i'm really curious whether like this is sort of an fmv cutscene kind of dealio or if this is like an in-engine sort of uh cutscene or, or if it's an fmv or what's going on because if the entire game looks like this oh my god like you'll probably spend the first hour just wandering around and looking yeah. at stuff so yeah it's there's a lot happening in it it's like an assault on the senses in a lot of ways but one thing that was missing uh is just that sandy i think you brought this up earlier it's just like context of like what's happening who who is it happening to why should we care and i think that comes back to the argument of this is just kind of shock value of a trailer sure in in a way it's also visual value it's like shock value of holy shit that's a woman's arm being broken by a hammer or and also holy shit look at those graphics it's like kind of shot it's like kind of a double whammy of look at what's happening and you know i i do want more context of like i need to find out who these people are there was a theory that the woman being hung hanged i'm sorry i'm a grammar nerd uh (laughs) was ellie's mother um and i need to know what that bears out as so it's like i'm more curious now having seen this trailer but right. I know that some people are kind of turned off by it, and I I respect that. But for me, I'm just like, I need more. I, I want more. You know. I mean, if you were a, you know, if you were a fan of the first one, then mm-hmm. 
I can't imagine anyone who was a fan of the first one not picking up the second one. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's their choice of using this scene. Could could they have not chosen this particular scene uh, to exemplify their game? Well, see, here's the thing. I think that they're that they're sort of doing a riskier thing because they're not featuring Joel and Ellie, right? Any yeah. any scene depicting Joel and Ellie would immediately, you know, make uh, the viewer nostalgic and whatever. I think uh, it's a little more uh, risky for them to all of a sudden show us this weird, graphically violent scene with a bunch of characters that we don't know. Um, it, I think it 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 sort of uh, catches your attention almost a little more than if it was just Joel and Ellie. You know, what I, I agree. Mean? Yeah. Because you're like, what is this? What is going on? So it, it, it grabs your attention and then doesn't let go. But uh, let's move on. Let's let's talk about the other uh, trailer that caused a little bit of controversy. Um, the Detroit Become Human trailer, um, which the, um, the gameplay it was showing off wasn't that new. Uh, we had seen it before. We had seen very similar stuff at E3. What was different was the scenario that we were watching, which uh, involved um, a father that was abusive to his child and, and I imagine, abusive to the people around him as well. Um, also a bit of shocking. Also a bit shocking in its own way. Um, and, it, uh, you know, the trailer um, indicates that there's a possibility that one of the one of the possible endings of the scenario is that the child dies by the father's hand, although it happens off camera. Um, what was your guys' takeaway from this one? Are you more excited about the game, less excited about the game? What what caught your attention, if anything? Um, yeah, it's um, it was a different tone uh, from the previous Detroit Become Human trailer we saw at E3, where... Right, more about was, revolution. Right? Yeah, that one was more like about taking action, you know, breaking yeah. into some place and like your pot your options of doing that this right. involved like a android maid or nanny or something like that right. and her perspective of the the abuse of father daughter relationship she's seeing so yeah I, I saw this as like a different angle of the same game and i saw it as the developers trying to show off like th these are all the lives that you're going to see play out in this game and you know they're very different from each other and you're going to have a lot of opportunities to affect them and decide for them and so mm -hmm. I, I think it was trying to show off the variety of the game but it was also trying to show off like just the sheer volume of possibilities that your choices can bring about that your decisions in the game can bring about um and of course like many mature rated games they use extreme kind of circumstances to, to show that to give you that and one of them being like you said a daughter off-screen beaten to death or some in some way killed by your father and i honestly i'm totally fine with it i know it's like uncomfortable but like for me i need to know that the developer is all in on that concept of real people you know and their actions having real consequences i think this shows that those developers aren't afraid to really go all the way with those circumstances with those scenarios and you know it's it's, it, it comes back to what I think is like the decision of that we as players, we as a game community, we as the industry have to make where are we going to demand that these games are considered an art form, but at the same time impose these artistic restrictions on them? Because I don't think you can have it both ways. You, you need to 
have the artistic freedom to express real scenarios like this. I mean, that unfortunately children are occasionally killed by abusive parents in real life. And if the, the game, if the game wants to reflect real life, it's going to have to not shy away from stuff like that. Right. I mean, this one is, is obviously um, set in the near future, but sure. very, very much, very much a slice of life. And I think it's going to try and highlight disparity between like the rich and the poor, I'm sure is going to come in here because from the opening shot, you see like sort of like the suburbs of Detroit, which are run down. And then in the, in the distance, you can see the beautiful skyscrapers and stuff. But um, honestly, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. It doesn't seem like a game so much. It almost seems like an interactive novel. There's, there's probably going to be um, some sort of quick time events um, going on, but I wonder how much, puzzle solving there will be or or um how much you know interact interactivity there will actually be in the scenes mm-hmm. i'm sure you will get the chance to like maybe explore the room to find objects relevant to the plot line but yeah probably but i don't know it just it it seeing this trailer actually like for me made me a little bit less interested in the game because it seems like something that you uh like rent for a weekend and you play through you know the the 15 20 hours and then you're done with right. it i i don't see anything here that uh m- you know makes me think that there's replay value in the game yeah. so what about you sandy what was your what was your take um from- there was more context provided it reminded me more of a movie trailer and i hadn't realized that there was more than one ending so i did not see the trailer was the uh i guess the ending that was distasteful mm. to people so i guess if they were trying to prove a, a point that there were many different endings they could at least told us that you know you, well that somewhere was like, in the trailer that was like halfway in the trailer like in the first i don't know like two minutes in you know when the daughter dies it says but it doesn't have to end this way and right shows you a bunch of other say? i thought yeah. that was just part of the you know, of the story, you know, so no, no, in, that's, that's showing in the you movie. Can... You could have like the daughter die and then have something that says, but it doesn't have to be. And it would be a movie about the investigation or something. No, <laughs> no, know? I think, I think, I think you missed it. The, uh, it's showing you that you can take different actions as the Android helper robot. And, uh, yeah, it's like showing the player that the, the full game will have like this, gigantic interconnected web of things right, that could happen sort of. based on what you decide to do yeah. as a character, which is really interesting. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, in that said, this, this material is inappropriate to children and it is distasteful to see that kind of uh, scenario. Um, I mean, it's an M-rated game. I, I don't think the game intended for children i don't even think the game would appeal to children honestly like if you were 10 and you watched that would you want to play something like that i don't think so i'd I think be bored yeah i wouldn't be it, interested i it wouldn't i don't think it would appeal to a 10 year old 11 year old me um you know i i see maybe like older teens maybe like 16 17 might have some interest in it uh but that, that's probably where interest would start i imagine for the title mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and did any did did either of you two watch the uh insomniac spider-man trailer that one is not controversial that one is yeah no i watched that one 
I, that was, seems I cool. didn't watch it. It was all right. I mean, it was just like, yeah, I watched. Yeah, I watched it. It was just like kind of a lot of b-roll it felt like it was just random stuff that happens in the game it's not really see I, i'm like way more interested in gameplay trailers i always keep an eye out for those like right the the spider-man gameplay trailer that came out i think it was a3 it was not too long ago and i i watched i've watched that i've watched that trailer like 10 times because i just mm-hmm. like i'm obsessed with just seeing what you can do in the game itself but this trailer that was at paris games week was like yeah, it's cool, I guess. It was a little more story. It was a little more yeah. Story. yeah, yeah. And I know yeah. they 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 teased like uh, Mary Jane and they teased Miles Morales, which is cool. But as a player, that doesn't really do much for me. I'm just like, okay, sure. That just moved on with my day after that. Mm. It's like, yeah, all right, new trailer. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, so I'll, I'll toss this question out to our uh, viewers out there: Which trailer caught your eye uh, from Paris Gaming Week, and and tell us why. And if you do, might be something in it for you. Just throwing it out there. Um, but let's move on to the next story. Um, Ubisoft is in the news uh, recently for Assassin's Creed Origins. Now, Origins is doing very well for itself, right? It's uh, selling a lot of copies. Uh, but it's also causing a little bit of controversy for supposedly um, a, a anti-crack... Uh, Oh, DRM thing. D- yeah, yeah a, D- a DRM decision made by Ubisoft. So it's no surprise that the game is using DeNovo, right? DeNovo is sort of like the premier DRM uh, program out there. Uh, but it, it's been uh, it's being cracked quicker and quicker lately. So to give the game some added protection, uh, Ubisoft has employed something called VM Protect, which is another program that's uh you know basically working in conjunction with the nuvo that basically is like sending your computer a bunch of bogus commands and and weird code so that anyone trying to figure out how the game runs hits a lot of dead ends well some people are basically accusing ubisoft of uh you know saying that this that using the vm protect thing pushes their CPUs to limits. Uh, people with older uh, i5 processors that are like third, fourth, fifth generation are seeing like a huge frame rate drops. And Ubisoft is basically saying, no, no, everything's kind of working as intended. So I'm kind of curious, like which which side you fall on, guys. Do you, do you trust Ubisoft? Do you trust the... Uh, you know, some of these hackers essentially who are saying, hey, look, we're looking at the way this program runs and it just kind of like screws with your PC to the max. Like where, who do you believe? Who do you trust? Um, kind of nobody. Uh, it's, I don't really, I don't trust Ubisoft for, you know, for much. And I also don't trust PC enthusiasts who just love to, you know, whine about, uh, you know DRM and stuff like that. Mm. So, but, but but mostly it's because my my default assumption is just maybe it was just badly optimized. Maybe Ubisoft just didn't optimize their PC version very well, and that mm. they don't want to admit that. So they're just saying, "Oh no, it's fine." <laughs> that's that's where I go immediately. Other than that, I could I can't really say. Mm. What about you, Sandy? Yeah, I I really don't know. I just worry that my computer won't be able to run it, or I have to go buy new stuff. Stuff. Yeah, so I mean, Ubisoft is saying that uh, um, they gave they gave a model. They said that an i5 2400 
And so the that the two tells you it's a second generation uh, i5, which I imagine is what like five years old, about five years old at this point, because we're up to the sevens. Oh wow! So yeah, so basically what they're saying is a five-year-old computer should be able to run this thing at the lowest settings is what they're saying. Hmm. But of course it, de- it depends on if you, like if you have an i3, I, I think you're SOL, maybe yeah. if you have an i7 from, you know, whatever, five years ago, you should be okay. The yeah. recommended one is an i7 3700. So four years ago, but again, it all depends on, which price point you you went in on in the processor? I mean, that sounds reasonable. I can't. I can't really. I don't know much about process. I don't know enough about processors to really call that out. So that sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. So it's. I mean, I have the game, but I also have a much newer CPU. I have like a sixth sixth generation i seven. So I haven't had any issues. Um, but yeah, yeah when I I built my computer latest one so (laughs) i guess it's always upgradable so (laughs) right right Um, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like unnecessarily snarky for a second and just say this is why i have a ps4 so i can just (laughs) throw throw it in there and it'll just run and i don't have to worry about cpus and shit like that but (laughs) but mine runs pretty i mean sure that's fine but i don't need (laughs) to be all that pretty uh i have a pc too i have both which is a great feeling you know i don't really miss out on much but on for instances like this where i'm like i'm pretty sure my my computer can't handle that i can always <laughs> just fall back to my ps4 it's great it's nice it's a good train it's it's I good to have you guys get on it <laughs> it's good to have a plan b i can't yeah, say it is yeah uh yeah so i mean hopefully we'll see this go one way or the other maybe we'll see some sort of definitive proof because honestly yeah. without without someone you know running a bunch of tests with very fixed you know, hardware, there's no way to say for sure one way or the other, but I, I, I kind of agree with you, uh, Connor. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, but it sounds just like an optimization problem. Like I've, we've seen that kind of thing a million times before. So this doesn't seem all that different. I mean, so Ubisoft isn't denying that they're using EM protect. They're basically just saying that everything's working as intended and we're not trying to just like, you know, screw you over on the CPU side. And right. it, it wouldn't make sense for them to do so, but it is what it is. Uh, moving on, uh, we have oh look at this. So we have an EA story and some Nintendo stories. Let's do. We always, I always feel like we always tend to do Nintendo first, but we're we'll hold it off for now. Let's talk about EA, the that other company we love. <laughs> um, this is actually a very interesting story to me. So um, EA obviously is the maker of Battlefield right and older battlefield games like battlefield 2 battlefield heroes battlefield 2142 and oh my god who knew there were so many i didn't realize there was quite so many battlefield games <laughs> oh yeah they, they are their servers no longer exist right so their the servers are no longer no longer supported by um ea um they used to be powered by GameSpy, which i think is now defunct i don't believe GameSpy is like active anymore so basically, these bunch of hardcore fans, these these people really loved these older Battlefield games, came up with a workaround um, and ran f- fan-made servers. They basically received a cease and desist letter 
from EA and had to yeah cease and desist and had to shut the servers down. Um, and to me, this is this is really stupid. Um, it, the the servers don't exist on EA side. There's no way to play these games. And Battlefield games are mostly multiplayer, right? There, mm-hmm. some of them have a single player campaign, but the the meat of these games is in the multiplayer. Um, where where do you guys fall on this one? Because I I you know the way I see it is there there couldn't have been that many people playing these games, right? Maybe like a thousand, two thousand. I can't imagine yeah. that there was like a million people downloading Battlefield Heroes and playing it nightly. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. So it was, a, it was probably a very small amount of holdouts. Um, I don't know. I think I they they should allow it. I mean, yeah. Um, however, if it it's building on their existing technology, I could understand why. What like, I was thinking was just like, yeah. this is like a victimless thing. Like if 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 people like you know want to keep playing these old games that EA made, right. why do they have such a problem with that? Like it, I, I just don't see what they're who they're hurting, you know. And I I, I know from EA's perspective, they see that as like you're using our product the way you weren't licensed to use it or you weren't, you know, intended to use it. And they just kind of like, they have the ability to shut it down. So they do, but just, you know, ability and motive are like different where it's like, but, but why though? Who are they hurting? You know, if some people have a private server for, or some game spy workaround for 2142, which looks like a pretty sweet game. I kind of missed the train on that. Didn't play it back in the day, but it looked, looked cool. I still get like, who are they hurting? Like, what's the harm? You know? Now it's, it's, been pointed out to me that I'm slightly erroneous. Um, it looks like they claimed the, um, you know, the the gamers who went by the uh, moniker Revive, the Revive Network. They claimed nine hundred thousand registered accounts. Now it oh, doesn't wow. mean all of those were active. That's just how many people registered. Having said that, though, again, there's no alternative. Right. There's these servers aren't being run by EA. GameSpy is defunct. They went defunct in 2014. So it's been three years. So, I mean, what's, you know, if you wanted to play this game, this was the only way to do so. So I, I still think uh, you're more or less correct on this one. This isn't, this is a victimless crime. There's no like DLC being released for these games. There's no, there's no money being lost. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, I don't get. It's, they they do it because they can basically. So I just kind of like I'm not gonna come after them from a legal angle because they're in their rights here. But I'm just like thinking, right? Dude, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> so what's what's the big deal? Like, <laughs> be cool about it. That's the thing, right? If they announce tomorrow, like, hey, we're gonna have more servers up of you know 2142. All right, cool. Then then we're good. Then, awesome. Then there's, yeah. there's no issue here. But if you're not gonna provide the service, right? Why? Why stop someone else f- from doing it for free? They're not. It's not like they're making money. They're not charging yeah. anything for the service, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So it's not like you're losing sold copies because you don't. Yeah, you don't support the game anymore, so it doesn't really matter. Is yeah, it's, I don't kind of get it. Yeah, I'm not even sure if, and I'd have to look into this, but I imagine they probably don't even sell the games directly anymore no, like if i went to EA's I website i doubt i could buy a copy of this game so i'm gonna go on origin and see if they have it <laughs> i'd be really surprised yeah. I'd, be, I'd be super surprised but yeah so the the other interesting thing was that the uh, electronic Fr- frontier foundation 
actually tried to uh, get an exception from the Library of Congress uh, under, you know, for, for exactly this kind of scenario. But uh, they got denied, unfortunately. Hmm. So, wow. We have we have a little ways to go in the in the video game preservation fight. That's too bad. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Let's see what else we got here. All right. I think. Yeah. Let's let's do Nintendo. So, a couple of minor Nintendo stories. The first is if you want to buy a Switch. Um, and you haven't been able to, I got some good news for you. Nintendo has promised increased availability for the holiday season. Uh, they plan to bump production by 4 million units, which is nice. I mean, if, if this is what you want to play, and I know with um, Mario Super Mario Odyssey out, I know a lot of people want to play it. Um, you, there's a much better chance that you find this in the stores, which is really cool. Um, have you guys picked this one up yet? Have you picked up the, a switch or, or not yet? I have no. Nope. <laughs> nope. I am. I, I hear. I hear that. You know, when I hear the words Nintendo is going to increase production for or for their switches for the holiday season, I just think, well, the goddamn better. Like, I mean, like if they want to, if they want to have a fourth quarter in the red, or I'm sorry, in the black, like that, they they better. Like, there's no way they shouldn't. So that's 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 enough course to me. Like that's a duh. But I mean, even still, like there might be Black Friday sales on it. There might be good deals on it. But I'm just like, I don't know. My girlfriend kind of wants one. She's been talking about, hey, the switch looks kind of cool. I'm like, hey, if you buy one, I, I have cool. a friend that wants one for a birthday. So I yeah, think myself and some of my friends are going to chip in and get it for him. But I get it. I'm not. The, I'm, uh, not I'm not. I'm not. I'm not there yet personally. But I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in and part of that. Uh, would you say, Connor, because there's lack of third-party titles uh, on the console? I would yeah. say that's, yeah, that's a big part of it. <laughs> well, uh, you're in luck. Um, so, Long library then. <laughs> yeah, the uh, bunch of a bunch of third-party developers are scrambling right now to support the Switch, um, mm. especially in Japan, right? Because a lot of people, I think, a lot of developers in, in Japan were kind of caught on the back foot on this one. Uh, especially like Capcom from what I'm reading. Um, but supposedly we're going to be seeing a lot more stuff coming out. But I don't know. I'm I'm a little ambivalent on this one, actually, because it just it feels to me like everyone's just going to try and get something out for the sake of having something out. Yeah. And that leads to shitty games. And unfortunately, it's not going to be until 2019 until some of those third-party games come out. That's probably right, unless they've started already and we're just now hearing about it. But if they're like just starting production now, yeah, they won't be out for a little while. Yeah, most likely. And so I'm, I'm just, I, I'm skeptical too because just you know the track record of third party support on Nintendo consoles is spotty at best. At best, I mean, think about the original Wii. There was actually pretty good third party support for the Wii, but that ended up taking the form of, of tidal wave of garbage shovelware games that no one you know gave it gave it gave a shit about where it's like it was the the wii was inundated with like really terrible third-party games so like maybe nintendo was kind of soured on third-party uh support after that well it's like, it a combination of things but also yeah just just that you know because the the wii was technologically so behind the other consoles at the time the ports 
of the games that were simultaneously releasing for Xbox and yeah. PlayStation were just like shells of the of the regular games and yeah. people didn't buy them. There could be some cool third party games coming to the Switch. I I will have to wait and see because I know what third party support looks like for PlayStation consoles because I've seen that before because there's always been pretty good third party support for PlayStation, but third party for Nintendo, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what to expect from it. So it's like I'm going to have to see what comes out. Yeah, I mean, it's good news though. Yeah, in general. It's, it's good news. It's to me it really seems like the Switch is is going to be another re another Wii in the sense that it's going to be really good for Nintendo. Nintendo's going to make bank and that's great. I mean, I want to see them around. As a gamer, I'm not sure how good it's going to be for us. Like, yeah, there's going to be a few standout titles, um, just like there was a few standout titles on the Wii. Mm. But uh, is it going to be like a cornucopia of amazing revolutionary gaming? I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. We'll see. Um, we also had a tidbit about how people play their their switch which i thought was kind of interesting about about 20 percent only play it in tv mode uh another 30 percent use it primarily in um in, in a tabletop or handheld mode and about 50 percent do both which mm-hmm. i'm a little surprised by that um if you guys hypothetically if you were to purchase one how do you see yourselves using the switch primarily would you would you mix it up or would you just stick to you know, tv or handheld probably handheld convenient <laughs> yeah i would probably keep it mostly in tv mode until i had like company over then maybe switch it to like tabletop or just party mode or whatever i happen to have the games for um because like i i have a vita I have a PS Vita, and I barely use that as it is. Like mm. on the occasion I want to play a game, you know, when I travel or go somewhere, I have the Vita to do that. And so, like, I feel like I don't really see the switch overshadowing. It's like it's already taken care of for me, so I'd probably keep it mostly in TV mode. But yeah, yeah, I feel like I would be in that mixed camp because I have a commute of about an hour every day, so I I might play it on the subway. But at the same time, I'd also be a little worried about playing it on the subway, like. Yeah, but, but having said that, I've seen other people play the Switch on the subway. Have you seen this, Sandy, on the New York City subway? People playing the Switch? Mm. No, haven't. I, I I've seen it a couple of times. I'm not saying that like every person, but I like once a week I'll spot someone with one. So um, like strength in numbers, then you just sit with them, play with yeah, them, sit and next you, to you them, right? Nothing to worry about. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. Our next story, let's do let's do Microsoft and we'll end it on Blizzard. So uh, to I think the surprise of nobody, uh, Microsoft has stopped making the connect. Um, so I wanted to take a second to just talk about it. Why do you guys think the connect failed as uh, as spectacularly as it did? And do you wish it hadn't? Do you do you feel like there was a lot of untapped potential for the connect that uh you know never got used properly um, i don't sorry go well, ahead I was just i was just at the vr expo and it seems like a lot of the vr stuff is including all these sensor and biofeedback and haptic gloves and 
it's pretty much very similar except for you're going to be in VR. <laughs> so, mm. Or even AR would have all of that. So Connect is a little bit redundant in that way. Um, it's too bad there weren't more applications made for it. It was interesting. It seemed to come out like after the Wii, it seemed like, oh, yeah, now everybody's going to be interested in this. Right. But, uh, it was expensive and there wasn't a lot of stuff to do with it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that um, it never really overcame the problem that VR is struggling with right now. And that is how do you do movement? And that was the biggest thing, right? Outside of. You know, destroying so, your room. <laughs> so. Right, That's right. It. Like, how do you how do you move your character around on the screen? Right, that was the issue. You could play certain. You know, you either have the game be on rails, but that limits you to obviously just that sort of genre, or I don't even know, or exercise games, right? Like stuff where you're like punching and kicking. But how could you do an RPG? How could you do a a first person shooter that wasn't on rails. How do you do an adventure game that's not on rails? And uh, I don't think anyone ever found a real solution to it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge problem for it. I was I was just thinking that, like, I'm not too sure I would say the con- that the Connect technology failed so much as just kind of ran its course. Mm. It, like, kind of had its moment in the market. The market responded not too favorably, but now it's like kind of moving on to the next thing where well connect is like not really relevant anymore, but it sort of set the set the tone for what we see VR as now. A lot of people were creeped out by the connect, right? Because it was always on, always listening. That was another element. That was like the whole Windows Big Brothers always watching you sort of thing, like right. please drink a verification can, that that whole <laughs> joke. Like yeah. Like that was another thing about it. But just the 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 basic technology of it, I think, like isn't re- I think redundant was the word Sandy used. I think that's a good word. I, it's it's just kind of like is replaced by what we're seeing in VR right now. So it's just kind of run its course. I think it just kind of had its time. So the interesting thing here that the um that the article kind of talks about briefly is that I think if they had added just a microphone to the Xbox and kept some of the voice commands, I think that would have been a good differentiator for I thought, Xbox. I thought they did that. You have to have like a USB headset. Really? In. I believe so. I don't believe that there's any onboard mic and you're, you're welcome to double check me because I don't have an Xbox. Are you talking about the 360 or the Xbox one? The one. Because in the one, I thought it came standard with a microphone. Like I, I had my brother had one. A buddy of mine had a had an X bone, as I call it, and they would just say Xbox off, Xbox on, and they would just do it. So it's like, no, they must voice. have had. They must have had a connect. I thought it came standard. I could be wrong, but like I had, I had people I knew or know who had like the out of the box Xbox to one the model. internet. Yeah, let's check that out because like they, I thought they had just the out of the box model. They had like some kind of integrated so. voice command thing to like turn it on, turn it off, like change menus, stuff like that. And they didn't. That's weird. I don't know. I didn't have one myself, so I don't know firsthand, but I could have sworn there was some kind of. Nope. What? Huh. Uh. Yeah, so the Connect was what was providing the uh, the microphone. Okay, so but was the Connect like included with Xbox One 
or originally it was that's what i thought so yeah that's what i'm saying like they sort of did have integrated voice support like a mic support thing well it was part of the connect if you because right once once they started selling that without the connect then that's it right Uh, i guess so yeah but you you were saying like adding a microphone would have helped connect yeah if if the console was just sold with an integrated mic or if they added that once they made the connect not mandatory like for example the xbox one s oh okay if that had because that one doesn't have an integrated mic um they could still you can plug in a mic and then use it that way once but then you have it's something you're you're buying separately instead of something that's included as well okay okay gotcha because those features i i do think are useful right Um, yeah sure and the and the of course the other thing that a lot of people complained about there was always a certain amount of cpu that had to be reserved for the connect and yeah. a lot of people didn't like that or developers complained that they couldn't take full advantage of the power etc cetera, etc cetera. so that also sucked i always felt that like microsoft should have overcompensated like made it a little bit beefier so that after the 10 percent hit after that that then it should have been even with the playstation you know what i mean yeah so that's just me um our last story has to do with blizzard um and blizzard is obviously as as you guys know pushing the esports angle of overwatch really really hard right they're the ones organizing a league that's going to include cities um it's going to have like a world cup thing and you know they want overwatch to be a legitimate sport um but they've run into a problem and that is kind of hard to watch uh if you are no pun intended no pun intended uh hard to overwatch sorry yeah if you are a spectator (laughs) it's a little hard to follow the action at times especially if you're like not a player you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Uh, so to address that they're actually coming out with uh new sort of camera angles new modes for the essentially the cameraman spectator mode yes a a spectator mode to make it easier uh they're calling it uh to be official they're calling it an esports suite um and that's going to debut at blizzcon which is this friday the third and it's going to have sort of enhanced third person camera better replays and even the top down map so that the casters can better describe what's happening that everyone can sort of follow along this is really cool yeah I see a lot of other companies copying them in the in the near future. Yeah, I've been to um, esports uh, events and like it's in the dark and you watch this big screen and I have no idea what's going on sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I've tried watching it like on Twitch and even on Twitch, it's you know certain. Granted, not really first person shooters. I've watched like um, MOBA type stuff it, it can be hard to follow unless you are super familiar with the source material and you play it constantly i think it's i think it's difficult right like sort of you know if you take someone to a football match even if they've never played football you can give them a really you know they can catch on pretty quick mm-hmm. but with overwatch if you drag your boyfriend or girlfriend to uh, an esports match i think it's you know going to be a lot trickier to get them into it 
Yeah, absolutely. And even with like the MOBA type games you're talking about, like with like uh, Heroes of the Storm, like even that has the advantage of being like a single kind of view. Like you can sort of just move your camera around and see everything happening, basically. Right. You have to know where the action is. You have to know like what lanes are going to be active and that kind of thing. But Overwatch is like kind of hampered even more because you got to pay attention to everybody's specific cameras and like see what they're doing and there's what's more happening people. to them yeah exactly and it's bigger teams too yeah so this is a smart move by you know for sure to really uh because if, if they want esports to be taken seriously and be accessible as like kind of a mainstream hobby you know pastime they need to have you know avenues like this to get people into it so that's it's probably well, a good move up on their part well, so I'll close out the podcast by asking you guys a question, and that is, what do you think Blizzard still has to do? What is there left for them to do to make esports a thing where, like, the average person at least, you know, is aware of it, right? Like, so, for example, I know that there's the New York Giants and I know there's the New York Jets. I can't name you a single player on the team. I don't follow football, but I'm aware that they're out there, that they're playing games, that games happening this Sunday. I know this kind of stuff. So what does Blizzard need to do so that people are aware of Overwatch in the same capacity or, or at least in that going in that direction? I have an idea. <laughs> are you listening, Blizzard? Are you listening? Yeah, take this, this down. Man- Start writing down. Uh, so have your players. No, before each match, play the national anthem, and hear me out. <laughs> and and don't kneel. Yeah, have your players <laughs> have your players uh, take a knee, or just stay seated throughout the whole thing. And I guarantee you, people will start talking about esports some more. Like that's <laughs> that's guaranteed eyeballs. That's guaranteed publicity. Just that's go one way of doing try it. that out. They were seated. Time. <laughs> How dare they? And my, <laughs> your your DPS, your your healers, they're they're unpatriotic. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. And I could see that working. I could see Donald Trump writing a very angry tweet. <laughs> just as soon as you run a tweet, I mean. Yeah, that's you're in the big leagues then. Uh, low, about- low energy Overwatch players disrespecting our nation. Sad. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Not nice. Yeah, I, I can. It writes itself, like the world it we live in now. It does. <laughs> that Hanzo man. <laughs> Stupid Hanzo. <laughs> Hanzo is the worst, and this is just proof. Oh God! It's disrespectful. <laughs> um, foreigners. Um, Sandy, any 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 uh, any tips for Blizzard that you want to provide? Said get in the Olympics. <laughs> get in the Olympics. That's that's actually not a bad idea. That's the next goal. I'm next sure time. Blizzard is on that. Sure. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Um, unfortunately, that is all the show we have for you this week. Uh, I will keep my fingers crossed that we have some what the fuck stories for you next week. But uh, you won't know until you check back. So until next time, I have been your host, Michael Schluger. I've been sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm talking when I'm talking. <laughs> I'm Sandy Chen. <laughs> I've been Connor Howard. Thank you. Have a great week of gaming. Push a lot of buttons for us. For you, thumbs up, like, subscribe. We always love hearing from you at Pack Podcast. We'll see you soon. Yeah.
This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!